Welcome back to Story Arcs uh, podcast and YouTube videos. Uh, this is going to be our second episode here with myself, Andrew, and Gavin. And we are going to cover Daredevil today with the Born Again storyline. Uh, wanted to kind of give a little bit of a different type of comic, a little bit of a different feel of comic to the Marvels that we covered in the first episode. Uh, so the Born Again storyline... The one that we looked at, we looked at the trade paperback. So the trade paperback actually includes an extra story at the beginning, or an extra issue at the beginning, and then um, kind of a almost an epilogue, two issues at the end. Um, they're not officially part of the Born Again storyline, but it's, it's been the trade paperback since whenever the original trade paperback came out. So um, the original story came out in 1986, and it was issues 226, uh, is where the trade paperback starts and it finishes at 233. Um, so this is a little bit different than what we covered with Marvels. Marvels, I know we covered that it was mostly it was mostly self-contained. Uh, the Marvels references referenced a lot of other material, uh, referenced a lot of Golden Age and Silver Age material, but this is just straight up a story that was lifted from ongoing comics that you would have been buying off the rack in 1986. Uh, neither one of us were born in 1986, which is interesting, I guess, um, to go back and read something uh, from before our time. And yeah, so we're just going to gonna give you that main overview. Uh, I'll try to avoid too many spoilery parts. I think the way we have things set up, we don't get too much into spoilers. Um, so, Gavin, did you have anything before we go jump into the, our summaries? Or uh... No, I think, uh, yeah, opened it well. Let's get uh, right into it, uh, you know, yeah, talking about what this whole, you know, theme of the story was about in this one, because it was pretty, pretty heavy overall. Yep, so we get a lot of the 80s feel here and a lot of the, I mean, it's Frank Miller. So we're written by Frank Miller, art by Dave Mazzicelli. Uh Hope I do not mess that up. Um, if I do, I'm sure somebody will correct me. Uh, letters by Joe Rosen and colors was Max Scheel. And I don't think that we're going to get too much into the art. The art is, the art is good as solid. I will say for me, the art didn't, it didn't change much of the story for me. Um, I've not read a ton of daredevil comics so it's hard for me to say that you know this is a definitive artist or this is not a definitive artist i know that uh frank miller actually did art off and on uh with this book and with other books uh sometimes he's a writer sometimes he's an artist major influence in comics in the long term um but i think in this this instance the art is very solid very good the we'll we'll get into some of the imagery of it, but I don't think that there was I don't I don't think there's anything here that deviates from what I would call like the style of the time um, enough that it's super relevant to what you're getting yourself into. It's not going to surprise any reader or anything like that. Um, it's not going to put anybody off. I don't think so. Uh, so yeah, the summary uh, Daredevil and. This is, again, the Frank Miller era. Daredevil is often tragic, 
and I think uh, this is the height of said tragedy. And so he really, in the in the basic story, he loses everything. Um, Kingpin has that personal vendetta against him. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like this is really where that's fully established. I know that Kingpin appears in his stories prior to this, but I feel like this is really where it's reaches its peak um, with their vendetta. Karen Page, who is Daredevil's ex-girlfriend, sells his identity uh, for drug money, and he gets down. He gets beaten down to the point where he basically needs to be rescued. He doesn't have anything left. Comes back from the brink and of course, as it is a superhero story, uh, he does succeed and then goes on to ruin Kingpin's rep, I think, uh, by the end of it. So hopefully not too spoilery. Uh, obviously, the, the purpose of our, our podcast is to give you a little bit of a overview and an introduction. We're not trying to tell you the whole story, but it's definitely, definitely worth a read. Um, so we'll move on to talk about it here uh, unless you had anything to add for the summary um, I'll let you start with uh, talk about it So, for sure that was well done um, yeah I think on the art style I guess I was going to touch a bit because uh, I'm trying to think back to Marvels but what I was noticing in this one for sure are some of the um, uh, what do you call the you know the kapow the, the action words to to things um Starts with the A, right? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I noticed those kind of a lot overall in this comic. I don't know if you know you thought that stood out, you know, over others. I always just thought that's interesting. The sounds that you know the artists, illustrators, whatever, have to kind of make up to kind of you know put you there. You know what I mean? When you don't have the sound effects and all that, that's that's all you really have, and it's kind of. Um, you know, and it definitely wasn't overdone, but I think uh, I can appreciate it knowing that this is, you know, all they had, that you can really use your imagination to it. So, um... I, I think it really contrast, like I said, yeah, definitely contrast like that hyper-realistic uh, style that we had from Alatross and the Marvels. Like, right. it's, yeah, it's more of the classic uh, comic style. Uh, yeah, was that, you feel like that was something you liked overall? Um, I don't know, it's hard to say just, you know, since we're like two, two, uh, comics in, into it, but I thought it was, um, you know what I mean, in the scenes where it was the action, you know what I mean, they were shooting the machine gun, whatever, I thought it's appropriate, you know what I mean, I didn't think it was overdone or anything, like it, you know, stood, stood out to me just because, you know what I mean, the colors, everything, it's, uh, and I mean, like it should, I think, you know what I mean, just for those, those types of things, but, but yeah, your summary overall, you know what I mean? Short and sweet, I think that, you know what I mean, did did explain what was going on. Um, and overall, yeah, I know the next section, generally the significance of it, because I feel like what I really grabbed from it is, uh, you know what I mean, kind of the influence that Kingpin, you know, was able to, to throw around, how, you know, powerful that was. Um, you know what I mean? Him, one of the main scenes when he was walking out of his boss's office and the janitor threatens him that Kingpin's watching, you know, and they kind of did that thing all throughout the nurse, this, this nurse that was 
she was in there a lot, um, kind of getting people left and right. And, you know, what I mean? you, you could tell she was in Kingpin's pocket and just, you know, what I mean, someone whenever someone's going to the hospital and then she can get in there and like be choking someone in their hospital bed. It's that uh, that overarching, you know, what I mean, influence is really strong. You know, what I mean? he blows up his house. He gets him removed from his law thing like really early. That was probably the first, uh, I don't know, chapter or so. So. I think that's, um, you know what I mean, really the significance of <clears throat> King Finch's whole whole role with that and how Daredevil wasn't as, you know, somewhat helpless to it, especially his girlfriend just being the one to kind of ignite that. It's just really out of his, you know what I mean, as a as a hero, sure. a superhero, right? Things are out of his hands for, for being a, a superhero. He's not really able to stop any of this. So overall, that's yeah. my... I think you get a lot of the, you know, when it comes to likes and dislikes, for me, you know, I, it's ongoing, so it feels more like a real comic book in a way. Like, you, I, I don't know if this is so much a like, but I will say to, as a warning, like, you, you're going to have to look some things up if you really want to understand everything in the comic. Oh, yeah. Because you're not going to know, you know, there's some reference to past events. There's some reference to, like, ongoing things in the comic. Um the and and of course you know the the tie-in of Daredevil is always like he's he's relatable right like he's not he's not a god he's not destroying cosmic threats like he's just he's got a, he's got enhanced senses but he's he's on the ground and he's working like in that real world that you know that that Marvel Marvel brings that sometimes I think it other comics and you know not not necessarily just dc but sometimes other comics are not able to kind of bring to life um when you're talking about superheroes like daredevil is is that is that character he's a very human character he messes up um and then yeah you get into the cultural significance like what you're talking about kingpin oh man kingpin he's he's just he's just an 80s villain you know like he's he's just bad and he's a bully and there's n- there's nothing you can do about it and you know you just gotta you gotta keep pushing and keep pushing and eventually you know find his weak spot and exploit it or just survive essentially you know i think that was i'm not super i'm not a big 80s movie guy but like yeah kingpin i think he i think he speaks to to that to the and and in in the other way like he's he's kind of that 80s greed is good right but he's the he's portrayed as the as the bad guy in this character and you know sometimes in the 80s you get that reagan era of oh no it's good to it's good to have it's good to get all the money you can it's good to uh spend money on on these things and stuff like that and kingpin is kind of that oh yeah that twisted a little bit you know right you can see how people yeah might envy him his position and power and influence right yeah, like might want that part, but yeah, overall his character I did you know like it too overall just because what you know like you said he was a a good villain you know what I mean he's doing trying to accomplish the right things and he has a reason right he's trying to get get money and power you know what I mean some some villains just like chaos for the sake of chaos and you know what I mean what are you gonna do about that but he's calculated. Yeah, I think uh, Kingpin also 
you get a little bit in the in the last couple issues, which are technically not part of the Born Again story arc. Again, in the trade payback, so we're talking about them. I think you get a little bit of that Kingpin as the politician comes out. Um, and we talked about before before we started the show. There's some scenes where he's literally wrapping himself in the flag, talking to Nuke, who is a soldier archetype, and yeah, like it's not it's not as heavy it's not as heavy handed as that sounds. Like you know, reading it off the page, it's not as heavy handed I feel as it could be mm-hmm. with comics and those messages sometimes. But to say that th- this is one of those stories you and one of those bits. Like if you if you ever hear anybody say that comics are so political now or I don't want politics in my comics like then you haven't actually been paying attention to comics uh they've been political since oh, the jump so um I mean literally Captain America's first appearance he's punching Hitler in the face I mean yeah like you know that you nowadays we don't think of that as political but at the time like oh, yeah I'm sure there were some people that didn't feel that way so um you know cuz that was that was uh when was Captain America's first issue? Like nineteen forty like that was it was before we were in the war, wasn't it? Or right after we were in the war? Like it was you know, there was still some apologists for the Nazis before we got into World War Two. Um and I mean there's there's still apologists for the Nazis now. But yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It's a big uh, Yeah. So uh let's let's touch on, on our next section here the kind of through our lens. Um, you get a little, you get a lot of that kind of dark for dark sake. Um, for me, this is very much that view of big cities that Midwestern people, you know, where I came from, have that view of big cities. Like I can imagine my dad, who of course would have been my age in the eighties, uh, coming and telling me about you know we don't i ha, you know he, he wouldn't have no desire to go to new york like right like he doesn't oh, yeah. he doesn't want to Big, be around that scary yeah you know what i mean the fact yeah. that he saw her apartment getting broken into it's like they made it just feel dangerous like all around right yeah. and i mean i i didn't live in new york in the 80s so i don't know i don't know what that uh i don't know what that actually was like but yeah it very much feels like the viewpoint that was then adopted by people that come from where I come from uh, in the Middle East in in the '90s, you know, that viewpoint of cities that, that, that still lingers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I live on the outsides of a I don't know medium city. Indianapolis is big enough, but uh, yeah, that don't go don't go dark, down a dark alley. There's drugs everywhere. There's everything going on like you know hell's kitchen is still hell's kitchen which i'm not really sure what hell's kitchen was like in the 80s but uh being in manhattan it doesn't seem like by that time it would have been as bad as some of the other places probably in new york but who knows um and then i don't know if you want to you know i'll let you talk about through your lens but there was i i would say that most people from my background would not have noticed anything odd uh, from that characterization from 1986, like I don't think there would have been anything that stood out as wrong, um, for people with my background. Uh, so you know if there was anything in the story that you felt like was uh different from 
from your background. Uh, although I'd say what suburban suburban Chicago, I don't know that there's a whole lot that would have changed your view. I'm, I'm sure your viewpoint was. Would, would you say your viewpoint would of big cities would kind of be the same from? Um, I mean, like with how scary maybe they seem to make. Yeah, it. like yeah. This is we're getting into some some personal conversation here because I don't think I've ever asked like. Did your mom ever like tell you not to go into certain parts of the Chicago or? Um, I mean, we never really lived, you know what I mean, that close. Yeah. I mean, of course, I can go down, and you know what I mean. I'm going down for work and all that, but it's never been like uh, right because notorious. I don't know, south side of Chicago. I mean, even for work, I've never had any real reason to go there, but. No, I, I can't say, you know, I mean, my, my mom's never said to stay away from there in particular because she, you know, probably hasn't even been there herself. So, yeah, I don't know, big, big cities, they do have, you know, what I mean, still their zones like that when you talk to people, you know, what I mean, um, there, there still are those that, you know, are notorious for a reason, right? They're on the news, yeah. they've, they've got those spots. Um, I've known plenty of people that have their their cars broken into i don't think their whole place you know what i mean uh like like was shown in this one um but of course yeah i mean i feel like the 80s it was definitely you know a bit scarier um of times and maybe i don't know yeah i don't want to say things maybe weren't as uh separated as they are now even really you know what i mean when you really think of the gentrification and stuff it's like you there there are safer spots of of this, that where people know in the city where you're not going to have any problems, right? I don't know if that was as much the case yeah. back then, right? Because if Hell's Kitchen is next to Manhattan or something, you know what I mean? Manhattan is not so much known um, for that, but New York is wild overall. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, we're not a we're, we're giving you an overview, so I won't spend too much more too much more on. On the details of that stuff, we didn't. We're not quite the research monsters that uh, other other comic book podcasts are. Um, but, <laughs> not yet. Yeah, yeah not yet. Uh, maybe we'll we'll see how uh, this how we evolve here. If uh, people want us to get into more of the details of everything, but I think mostly we're we're here for the overview. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you like that dark for dark sake, like it's this is definitely a, a good one to pick up. And I mean, you know, it's, like I said, it's it's quintessential. So connections to classic lit or other literature. Obviously, it's called Born Again. There's a lot of Christian imagery. The cover for the trade paperback and the cover for different issues references Christian paintings, Christian imagery again. Um, stained glass window is literally in the background of the cover for the trade paperback. So you're getting you're getting that Catholic side of Daredevil. That's always been a side of Daredevil. To my knowledge, it's or at least from this era, it's always been cited Daredevil. It's referenced a lot in the movie or in the TV shows. The TV show pulls a lot of pieces from the story for the different storylines that go through, like season two and three. So uh, you get Christ images of Daredevil when he's he's at the breaking point and laying on the ground, uh, laying in his bed. I think at, at that point, his this is the instance there's the nun and there's a, some madonna imagery for the nun i won't get into that in detail just in case i mean it's kind of a it's kind of a spoiler for daredevil 
if you want to get in if you if we get too far into that with the nun but yeah that's that's pretty much it there's not a whole lot that's a really an obvious preference like you know it's not a it's not strictly a christ story it's not strictly a savior story it's a little bit it's you know it's kind of a rebirth you know you gotta break everything down to get to it there's a lot of there's a lot of confessions people confess a lot in here again i think it's i think that's pretty fairly typical daredevil fair uh from the frank miller era um and from lots of different areas of daredevil so so next section what what the hell is that so I don't I can't remember I can't remember where you came down here. For me, there is so 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 much Kingpin working out art. Just I he does all of his scheming, I guess, while in the gym and he doesn't wear a shirt. Uh it it seems like an odd art choice to me. There's one image in particular that just looks messed up like his the proportions seem kind of weird like his stomach is like covering part of his chest and it i don't know uh to my knowledge there's not actually a person that is as big as kingpin but kingpin is supposed to be a legitimate like just a regular person so it's hard to say that the art's bad it's just weird it's just not you know it's just not my my taste i guess uh it doesn't seem I mean, I guess it does establish a little bit of that, like, Kingpin is strong because he works out all the time, right? Like, he's not, he comes by his strength, honestly, but he's, I mean, we, we, you could have done a lot of those scenes differently. Uh, he could have been doing a lot of different things. Or, you know, one working out scene, it didn't have to be every single time that he was scheming like he's working out. And I don't know if that persists throughout the Frank Miller uh, era, throughout the... Uh, Mazzucchelli, uh artist era of Daredevil, but I just know it set up for a great tidy whitey fight scene, you know, with Daredevil after that, because yeah, he's got his. I know it's a funny looking fight because yeah, he looks like a wrestler or something. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Did you have Did you have anything? Did you have a different one for what the hell? Yeah, I know. Before. Whatever I'd made mine, but um, I'm I'm gonna say mine's on the the scene towards the end, you know, dealing uh, well when Iron Man and Thor make their their short appearance. It's kind of like they help subdue, um, uh, you know, Nuke or initially, but then uh, you know, but then they like kind of just leave them in the hands of the of the guards and then they you know they can't control them it's it's like don't wouldn't you want him back in a you know protected some kind of facility it's like oh get him and then he just you know kind of breaks out from from the guards that are protecting him again it's just a very strange in the in the storyline for like the one and two frames that they're in there it's gonna kind of feel I, like they're just throwing it. it i mean it's a little bit yeah, it's a little bit forced, but it's a, I don't know, that's always tough in Marvel because there's sometimes, like, there's sometimes that I really appreciate that, like, in Marvel or different stories, like, okay, if if somebody's blowing up Hell's Kitchen, right, if somebody's shooting wildly in Hell's Kitchen, yeah. like, you would hope that the Avengers or somebody else would be like, 
Right. Hey, we won't, you know, if we're not doing anything, uh, let's go. Let's go see what's what's going on over here. But yeah, it's very quick. I will say I like that it's not a um, it's not a complete rescue. Like they don't just you know they don't just fix the story. You know, it's not a dos uh, imagina. Uh, I just wouldn't mind seeing you know. I, 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 I butcher that every time. <laughs> uh, I, it's tough name. Deus Ex Machina, I guess. I, I'm terrible at it. Uh, anyway, it's not quite that because they don't like, like they don't wrap up the story with it. Like that doesn't say, you know, that doesn't fix the story. Like Daredevil oh, is the one that does it. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting cameo. Uh, that would have been really interesting if they did that in the Daredevil TV show. Like then, you know, that would have blown people away. But I don't think they—I don't think they ever wanted to do that with the MCU stuff. They never really wanted to actually bring in actual MCU characters into those Netflix shows. So, it takes uh, but, too much effort. You know, rumor is Daredevil is coming to the MCU as an attorney at the very least, uh, possibly as as early as the Spider-Man movie. So, we'll see how that turns out. I don't know. Award ceremony here. Uh, we'll get into awards. Best character. So, Gavin, I'll let you go first for your best character. Um, okay. May have already, you know, harped on this, but I'll I'll stick with it. You know, I'm going to say for being for being a solid villain, tidy whities and all, uh, Kingpin is is my guy. You know what I mean? He's he's conniving. He's classic. Um, you know, uh, just killing people right at his uh you know round table of ceos and and just letting them know that his word is the final word there's really no back and forth discussion you know what i mean he's that classic uh no no frills uh you know bad guy that that gets stuff done and uh and yeah yeah i think he so you know during during a little bit of my looking back like I realized, and I don't think people always realize this, but like he was a Spider-Man villain first, and you know he he works well in Spider-Man, but I don't. I mean, I I think he works best with as a foil to Daredevil. Um, yeah. For me, my my best character is uh, actually Ben Yurik. Um, you and he is the reporter, and I do realize that I, we've had two. Two whole episodes already, and both of my yeah. best characters have been journalists from the Daily Bugle, which is just really weird because there's only like six or seven named journalists from the Daily Bugle, probably in the whole Marvel universe, uh, yeah. at least in this era. You know, at least at least until we get into like the modern era where everybody gets named and they add characters all the time. But yeah. Um, ben, Ben really, you know, he works as a good, good kind of almost like a reader viewpoint character at times, but also moves the story along, and you really feel like without his influence, Daredevil doesn't doesn't get things done in the same way, right? Like without without Ben, the the conclusion doesn't wrap up the same without him 
the motivations I feel like are different for Daredevil. Like he very, very much feels like because he never, because he doesn't waver from his duty, because he doesn't waver from what he's doing, that allows Daredevil to have that connection back to what he's what he's meant to be, right? What he wants to be. Um, and obviously, Karen Page and the nun character and stuff have have more direct roles in. Matt getting back up off the mat, but yeah, I said Matt twice in the same sentence. Uh, Matt Murdock getting back up off the proverbial mat, and I just feel like yeah, Ben Ben is that that steady character, and he's what's a he's what a journalist is meant to be. And again, we got a little bit towards the end of some political commentary from Frank Miller, I feel, and I think it highlights that like Frank Miller was part of what Frank Miller's saying here is that you know the importance of media the importance of journalism is still relevant uh i think that kind of comes across a little bit there uh worst character for me karen page and this is i i know that we've said we've said before the best character worst character can be the how they're written can be how we feel about the character you know we'll, we keep it a little loose here but i it's written a little a little heavy-handed for me it seems like obviously she has to be the one to give the name to the mob that starts everything off like how else is kingpin known but the whole porn star to drug addict thing it's, it's a bit much even for it feels like a bit much even for the 80s but eh, that's just that's just me um yeah. I know that sometimes people, you know, other people have other tastes on that type of deal, but for me, it seems a little unrealistic. Uh, I'm sure that has happened to people, but what's the what's the actual like numbers? Like, you know, that does that you how many people become a porn star, go to be an actress, then become a porn star, then become a drug addict in Mexico, and then make their way back? Like, the likelihood is just it takes you just a little bit out of it for a story that is mostly grounded in reality with the exception of the blind guy that has heightened senses so much that he can see and fight bad guys. But, you know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, she doesn't everything have, else. have much of a yeah. redemption arc. That's for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I yeah, that, that doesn't work. It's just like, she comes back and then Matt is just, he's just cool with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah. Like, this is my girl now. Yeah. And, to my to my knowledge, and I didn't look, I mean I didn't do the research beforehand, but like it's implied that he was actively dating Gloriana, um, who then goes on to date Foggy Nelson in this story. That he was actively dating her at the beginning of the story, and then like yeah, forgets her. Yeah. Um. Right. So yeah, yeah. It, it seems a little forced. Like yeah, this is my like like Mo was like this is my preferred this is my preferred love interest. So she's back now. And you know that's that seems that's what it feels like a little bit, but yeah. Mm. And yeah, I'll just go with mine because to be honest, I don't really have that much of one. But you know, mine's kind of a meme. I'll just go with uh, uh, Gloria because you know, I just even though she did, you know, what I mean, really go for Foggy, I guess it still 
felt like she was going to at any moment if Matt, you know what I mean, came back to her. I couldn't tell if she was just a friend, but she might have just dipped Foggy in a, in a second if if Matt was any kind of stable there, whatever. She, you know, Foggy is kind of just the, uh, you know, what I mean, there for me, holding it down kind of guy for, you know, for the time being. So. I know. I, I guess I think she's uh, not not so loyal. So I'll give it to for Gloria for <laughs> for stringing yeah, well, foggy along. There's, there's than really really foggy. I feel like foggy is often just he's holding it down for for Matt most of the time too. Yeah, like, yeah. like that's a whole that's a whole trope. Um, really a sip for for Matt and all and all facets. Yeah. Uh, my wow moment. Uh, when Kingpin blew up his house, like we didn't, I, you know, I think we did get some panels of it. It wasn't the actual art or like the action of the blowing up of the house that was wow for me. It was just like, that's that's a whole that's a whole le- another level of petty, you know. Like that's that really that really does exemplify that it was mm-hmm. personal because Kingpin is not, you know, I feel like Kingpin's typical character would be to buy, you know, buy a house or to buy, you know, buy something out from under under somebody, and he does. He does all that stuff to Matt, but then the blowing up the house is just a real fuck you. Um, yeah. And I, we're, I guess we're an eighteen and older podcast. Uh, I don't know if we established that, but they're thirteen and older. Whatever the whatever the modern, uh, I guess Rating one of those card. in PG thirteen movies. So, um, but yeah, it was just super personal, and I think it it, it does a good job of, of establishing. I think it's it's good in the in the art of the rubble and stuff. Very, very much a controlled explosion too, because the other, the other buildings didn't seem to be that damaged. Yeah, so anything around impressive it. Impressive with that too. Demolition work. He found the right guy for the yeah. job. Um, and yeah, I guess for me, would it have to be? I mean, maybe finding out. Um, because I don't know if they had done this in the like movie that I had seen before but the origins of his um you know how he got his powers of pushing the man out of the truck and then getting hit by a radioactive something i just uh, i didn't know that and it was quick you know what i mean i feel like um it's just you know what i mean that one scene and that's all you need to know i guess you know what i mean the radioactive thing like hit him i don't know if it was in the eye something around but it was just uh I don't know, yeah, I guess, well, for me, understanding, you know what I mean, the the origins, because if it, you know, is a born-again thing, I was hoping to, you know, find out maybe what, uh, you know, how he got his his power, so that was kind of cool. That was mine. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about that, because obviously, I mean, yeah, that's that's part of the, the dynamic here. With not having that background in comics, yeah, like, I, for me, obviously, Daredevil... And his origin story as a as somebody that's been around comics and done a lot like that is a known pretty known story i mean it's not super complicated um actually I, in my research i found out there's some they did a lot of retcons with like his other parts of his backstory but that has stayed consistent to my knowledge gotcha. and yeah that it's very I, it's a i don't know how often it's revisited uh, in Daredevil, because I don't read a ton of Daredevil, but it, it very much is revisited in this arc in a way that's doesn't detract from the story and really does. Yeah, it, I mean it, that's part. Of, I, I I do feel like that establishing that in the story is part of what 
makes it accessible enough to be as popular of a story as it is. Um, oh, yeah. And as quintessential as it is. So. Uh, dumbest decision. I'm going to go with Kingpin here and his decision to bring in Nuke. Uh, it comes to fruition in the last two issues, which are not, again, not technically part of the Born Again arc, but he does make that decision during the Born Again arc, so I'm going to count it here. Um, and I, again, we, I said we're covering the whole thing. I, I feel like he almost, like he would not have, he would have gotten away fine. He would not have necessarily beaten uh, Matt with if he, I mean, like he, you know, not by not calling in Nuke, like you're not, it doesn't change the Born Again storyline. Um, Daredevil's still going to come out and talk there. He's still going to survive. But at, at that point, I think it becomes just a survive, you know, he just survives. But the Nuke storyline, then that's a loss. You know, it becomes, as opposed to a push, it becomes a loss, I think, by that decision for, for Kingpin. So that's the dumbest decision for me. Uh, I took it took it from the comics. I don't know if you had a any writer artist decision or anything or what'd you what'd you come up with? Um yeah, dumbest decision I feel like for me I hadn't that when when I really had down. But yeah, I mean when I think about it overall for someone, you know what I mean, as calculated as as Kingpin was, I mean that's uh I feel like it's just, you know what I mean, a loose cannon something he can't control. Right, uh, I don't know if he had done yeah much of the research going in, but you know what I mean that's probably gonna have to be you know be mine too. It's like he uh, had control of most of the situation, you know what I mean, like everything going down, and then it was even one of the people that he choked out, you know what I mean, saying you know we don't want this kind of you know heat or attention or something, right? And it's kind of like ultimately his his downfall, his pride. That's like. Uh, no, I'm going to do it my way, you know, <laughs> whatever happens. And that's yeah, I think that, I mean, I mean, it, it exemplifies part of that, the Kingpin character that makes him again, more of a complete character. Like he, he's mostly stoic and mostly measured in his reactions and what he's doing. He's planning, but if you get to his emotions, you know, and that, and Daredevil does, then that's where he gets sloppy, right? Is when he gets emotional, um, and takes things personally, um, and that's, you know, that's a trope. That's a bit of a trope for those those powerful uh, bad guys, those guys in powerful positions. That's a bit of a trope, but I think it it's a realistic one. Um, yeah. So, who do we recommend this for? Um, I'll let you kind of touch on some of what you learned and maybe give some background as to what I think people might take take from the story and then i'll get into my recommendations and who i really think this story uh is going to appeal to all right and yeah when i think about this story overall uh i feel like um you know learn a bit about the the time period of you know what i mean how the the writer kind of portrayed you know what i mean new york uh just the cities overall in these times like very dangerous overall um, you know what I mean? People don't even feel like they can, you know, go down the street or just, you know, exist having their, their places kind of always looking over their shoulder. Uh, you know what I mean? Whether it's, uh, just people, you know, coming to rob you, whether it's a, you know, a real bad guy, um, 
and people just kind of pulling strings. You know what I mean? It's kind of that, that I guess the, the power struggle we see just with people, either political people, it can be right in power, but, um, there's always kind of that organization of, of some kind, you know, kind of looming over. So I, I think I, you know, just learned a bit about that, uh, dynamic that the writer was trying to show to those, those kind of times. Yeah, I think it's a little different too uh, than some of uh, the previous storyline. Again, with it being self-contained, this this gives you more of that idea of like what it what an ongoing comic book is like. So if you're looking, somebody's coming in, and you're looking for comics. Do I do I want to continue look reading comics? Do I want to start trying to keep track of ongoing comics? Like this is a little bit more of what you're going to see. Whereas some of the other events and some of the other story arcs that we cover are going to be self-contained, so it's going to feel a little different. And it comes out sometimes in those those stories. So I think that's something that um, is definitely relevant here. For recommendation, if you like, I mean, if you like the Daredevil TV show, if you've watched that and you want to know where a lot of that comes from, this story arc really contains a lot of the meat that goes into the Daredevil TV show and other Daredevil um, interpretations. If you're a big fan of those darker Batman stories too, the Christopher Nolan style Batman stories, this is works pretty well on that level. Uh, there's a little bit, you know, a little bit here of kind of the chaos and those chaos agents, and then who's really behind them, that type of thing. I think that that works well. That's something that people will pick up on. A little bit of noir, if you're big into the noir crime stories, somebody's pulling, again, somebody's pulling the strings, somebody's doing something that is causing the main character to have to figure out what's going on. There's not so much, it's not so much, I mean, it's not a detective work, it's not, he's not really investigating, but, but Yurik does some investigating. There's some of that in there. Uh, there's, a, there's intersecting characters. And it's again, it's it's dark. Um, yeah. So, final part here. This is the important part. This is the big thing. Uh, right now, we have our ranking, and at the top, we have Marvels with an eight point five rating, and we both agreed last time on eight point five. Mm-hmm. We will at some point get a a board that I'll either bring out or set up. Um, so we have that going. I think we probably need maybe two or three on here before we really need that visual. But right now, Marvel's 8.5. Gavin, I'll let you go first. What was your uh, ranking on a scale of 1 to 10, including halves? Yes. And so, yes, if I remember Marvel's 8.5, um, for me, yeah, overall, I feel like that one was just more... I guess entertaining for some reason. Um, yeah, hard, you know, to pick exactly what my brain right now. But I'm going to give this story still a recommendable. Um, I think like seven point five. This one's coming in for me. So this was. I mean, this is not my intention. We're. I've not intended to uh, come up with the same ranks. We. I've tried to do this blind <laughs> both times, and. Yeah, I came down on 7.5. I went back and forth between 8 and 7.5. Yeah. For me, 
it's a it's a personal feel. I don't like the darkness. There's you know I, I talked about the I don't really like the Kevin the Karen Page part of the story as much. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it's again it's more of a personal feeling on this one. The reality of it is is like this is yeah this is quintessential comics for the era. Like this is up there one of the better comics of that era one of the better comics of that genre of superhero comics if you want to break superhero comics down into really specific genres like it's it's up there i've heard people call this the best comic book storyline of all time but yeah for me it's a 7.5 it's there's some stuff that could be better it seems like it wants to go sometimes you know, there's there's those. It flirts with the political commentary. It flirts with some other points and doesn't really get into them. But I think, I think it handles it all very well. It's just not quite for me, uh, in that sense. And again, I mean, there's a reason that I'm not a huge Daredevil guy. It's not because Daredevil is not good. Like it, oftentimes Daredevil is is very good. I like a lot of Daredevil stuff. But it's not a character that I connect to to the point that, like, I have to, you know, I feel like I want to go read more stuff all the time for him. Uh, as you can tell from my background and the stuff that we've talked about in the past, like, I'm more of an X-Men guy. Uh, get into the X-Men stuff a little bit. And, and Daredevil's just, he's grounded, he's really good. It's, yeah, I, I feel like I have to defend it because it is <laughs> such a quintessential story. Like, 7.5 feels... Like I may be selling it short, and maybe maybe at some point we get more stories on here, and I decide, and we can go back and revisit some of these at a later date. But at this point, you know, Marvel's Marvel's covers so much; it just was so beautiful. And mm-hmm. I like the art here; it works. It, the style is great, but it's yeah, it's just not. I just don't connect to it on that emotional level in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that about wraps everything up for this episode. Next time, I suspect we'll probably end up looking at something, maybe a little DC, uh, something from a, maybe a different angle. I'll, we'll try to we'll try to keep it a little different until we come up on. I think when we get closer to some of these movies that are coming out later in the year, some of the different series that are coming out, we may hit some specific stories based on what's what's coming up and what's going to be relevant at the time and whether or not you want to go watch the movie and then do you want to read that story or not is it worth it we'll we'll, we'll cover it yeah. so uh i'll let gavin take it away for the end and the as always yes as always thanks for watching uh please don't forget to like and subscribe below if you like the videos um so yes Thanks for coming back. Once again, I'm Gavin. This is... Uh... Andrew. <laughs> I'm Andrew. Sorry. We, we'll work on the cues. We'll get better. I promise. <laughs> Later. Later.